Praise the Lord, everyone. The pastor was late to the pulpit. That doesn't happen very often. But I was a little late to the pulpit today. <laughs> I was waiting for a video or something. Uh, but but we don't have one today. So I, I'm so excited to be before you in 2021. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to give glory to God. You, if you're here, if you're watching, if you're listening, you have made it through 2020. Amen. 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 And, and we don't take that for granted. I remember in the old church, um, people would get up and testify. And sometimes the peop- the same people would testify every week. And we had a- an older man in the church that we were at. And he would say, I thank God that today I am inhaling and exhaling. I praise God that I'm in my right mind. Now, sometimes I, I wonder, am I in my right mind or not? And people that know me would really wonder about that one. But thank God for his keeping power, for his love, for all that he has done and for all that he is doing. Uh, two things that I, I want to just uh, reiterate a little bit today before I get into the sermon. Um, and as you look at the passage today that we're going to look at in Luke 5, you might think it's weird that we're starting a week of prayer and fasting uh, because this is talking about prayer and fasting and Jesus saying, yeah, my disciples ain't doing that right now. So you might think it's a little strange or different, but we, we, we are starting our years. We have the last couple of years with a dedicated time of prayer and fasting. And, and thank you, Seth, for uh, that announcement. It's on the website as well. It was in the newsletter. But here's what we really want to do. It's not about some legalistic, did I do this or did I break a rule here or there? But this is about starting your year pressing into Jesus. Amen. Who wants to press into God in 2021? I see that hand and I see that hand and that hand. Amen. Amen. It is time to press into the living God. One other thing, Seth didn't mention it, but we do prayer in the mornings, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday at 7 a.m. And I would just love it if a bunch of you who usually don't enter into prayer at that time would do so. On Zoom, we do it. You can look at that again on the website. So let's start 2021 pressing into the living God. The the second thing I want to announce before I, I get into the sermon is that after today, I will actually be out of the pulpit of new life for five weeks. I know some people are saying, praise God. Amen. Um, I'll be out of the pulpit for five weeks. A, a couple months ago at our elders retreat, uh, one of the elders suggested maybe I have a time of getting away um, to to really hone in on vision for New Life Church, uh, more specifically, and and what are we looking at in the next year, in the next three years, in the next five years at New Life Church? And so uh, I, I really want to make good use of this time. What I would ask is that everyone in this church would pray that God will use that time. Amen. I'll still be around a little bit. I'll be with the new members class uh, next Saturday. I'll be in the um, in the congregational meetings, which are next uh, Sunday and then two Sundays from that on the 24th. So I'll be around a little bit. Um, 
And then we'll probably have another congregational meeting in March or April as we work through some of the stuff uh, that, that I'm working out over the next month or so. As I'm seeking God's face, I'm talking to people, some who are here locally and some who are around the country that are doing multicultural churches. I'll be talking and, and doing a lot of reading and, and seeking God's face, getting away in, in prayer. So pray for me in that time, y'all, and let's see what the Lord will do. Amen? Amen. Well, let's get in to the message today. Gospel wineskins is what we're going to talk about. As we start the new year, the new year is always a time of possibilities. Amen. Somebody say, just say that out loud. Possibilities. Possibilities. The new year always comes with possibilities. I was watching a football game the other day and every other commercial besides the car insurance commercials was commercials about uh, making your body look fit and right. And, and that always happens at the beginning of tw- uh, of a new year. Amen. So, so now they got this mirror that you're looking in the mirror. You're getting it in. You got a little coach in the mirror. I don't know how that works. It's a little scary to me, but, but it's all this stuff about getting your body fit. I'm going to have rock hard abs by February 7th. Amen. Glory to God. Probably not. Probably not, but but there's something about a new year that comes with new possibilities that gets us excited. And listen, brothers and sisters, we ought to be excited about the gospel possibilities that we have with Jesus in 2021. Amen. I'm not talking about rock hard abs. I'm talking about the Lord Jesus Christ filling your life, filling this church, saving sinners, setting people free from sin and addictions. I'm talking about the work of God in the coming year. We ought to be excited about that as we look at 2021. And I'm going to be talking today about how we move forward at New Life. But as I talk about how we move forward, I also want to look back. I want to look back at the history of New Life Church. And in particular, the the founder of the New Life movement, some of y'all know Jack Miller. Now, some people who are newer don't know about Jack Miller, but you ought to know about Jack Miller. And I'm going to talk about Jack Miller. Amen. I'm going to talk about how God used that man and how we are in in one sense, New Life 2.0. God is moving forward. Amen. But I, I just read a book and and uh, it just came out this last week on Jack Miller's life. It's called Cheer Up. The life and ministry of Jack Miller. I would really commend that to any of you, particularly if you don't know much about Jack. But even if you do, it is a great look at his life, at the new life movement, how God mightily used this broken man, how God uses a flawed man, but a flawless God to reach many, many people for the glory of God. The book talks about the consistent opposition that he faced to the uncompromising message of the glorious grace of God in Jesus Christ. And and, and Jack had this optimistic notion that Bible-based belief that God wants to reach a whole lot of people for his glorious name. Amen? But Jack didn't just believe that, he lived it out. 
And, and that's part of the reason New Life is here today and different New Life churches around this area. And his, his, his message and his life is not only in the New Life churches or in Surge, the mission organization, but it is infused in the life of believers all around the globe. And so we're going to look back a little bit as we look forward and we're going to see what God wants to do. Like Jack Miller, we are called to be a people on mission. Someone ought to say amen. We ought to be a people on mission and that mission is the mission of God. And that's what got Jack in trouble all the time. Amen. (laughs) But let's get in trouble for Jesus. Let's stand up today if you're here, and and we're going to read our scripture for the day. Luke chapter 5, verses 33 through 39. Let's read that together. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days they will fast. He told them this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one, after drinking the old wine, wants the new, for they say the old is better. Today... I'm preaching on the subject gospel wineskins, gospel wineskins. Let me pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would be with us in this time, that, Lord, you would speak in a powerful way to your people by your grace for your glory. Be with us now in this time, we pray in Jesus name. Amen. Gospel Wineskins, gospel wineskins. I'm going to do something a little bit different today than I usually do. I usually come out and give you the main idea of the sermon, the the big idea, the main point. But I'm going to save that for the end today. I'm going to build the case uh, to show you what the main point is that God wants us all to leave this place with. That God wants you to get wherever you are. That God wants you to understand from this passage. And so uh, I'm going to look at some different focuses of the passage. The first focus is this. Focus number one. Old wineskins are focused on religious forms. Old wineskins are focused on religious forms. We, we, we see that in, in verse 33, uh, that this group of people, Pharisees, others, John's disciples perhaps were even a part of that group being influenced by the Pharisees. But, but they come and they say, John's disciples fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. What about you? Your 
crew is not fasting and praying, you're not doing religion the right way. You're not going to get through to God. What is this lazy, non-fasting, non-praying stuff that you do? We do things differently around here, Jesus, who you think you are. (laughs) And they had a problem with Jesus' methodology, with his disciples, what's going on. But the problem was bigger than that. It was bigger than that. It, It wasn't just that they didn't fast and pray. First of all, Jesus had the wrong disciples to start with. Look at verse 27 in the scriptures, not on the board, but if you got your Bible, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in his tax booth. Jesus had the wrong disciples. (laughs) Jesus went out and got a tax collector. Tax collectors were traitors to the people of God. They sold them out for a little bit of dolo. They sold them out for a better lifestyle. They sold them out in order to be on the inside with the Romans. He got a tax collector as a disciple. They had a problem with Jesus, not just because they didn't pray and fast the right way, but he had the wrong disciples. Not only did he have the wrong disciples, but uh, he, 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 he hung out with the wrong people. Jesus hung out with the wrong people. Look at verse 29. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd. Somebody say large crowd. A large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. You you see this all through the Gospels. Jesus hanging out with tax collectors. He's hanging out with sinners. Oh, my goodness. Who would be around a sinner? Well, if you're around anybody here, you're around a sinner, too. Amen. If you get around, folk, when COVID leaves away, you're going to be around sinners. But these were notorious sinners. These were prostitutes. These were tax collectors. These were were lowly fishermen that that had the lowest jobs and and, and weren't learned and didn't know the stuff that that the learned Pharisees knew. These were these were the slimy folks that Jesus hang out with. They were mad because he had the wrong disciples. And then not only that, but he had the wrong way of doing things. We just read that in verse 33. Jesus didn't fast. He didn't pray the way that the Pharisees fasted and prayed. You're not doing it the right way, Jesus. Well, let let me say, Jack Miller had some of the same problems when God moved in his life and he came on the scene. Uh, he, he, he challenged the old wineskins and he got in trouble with a lot of folks, even in the reformed community. He got in trouble. Here, here's a quote from his biography. He says, yet well, he's not speaking, this is the biographer, yet while many people concluded that God was using him as an instrument of renewal in the Philadelphia area, skeptics were convinced that Jack and New Life Church had to be somehow compromising the truth of the Reformed faith. Why did they think that? Well, if you read the biography, and for those of you who lived it, you know why. Because revival was breaking out. (laughs) They had a problem because people were getting saved. In our churches, that doesn't happen that way. In our denomination, it doesn't happen that way. He was in the OPC back then. and, And it just wasn't normal. What is going on? What is Jack Miller doing? He must somehow be compromising the truth because too many people are getting saved. Up in here, up in here. And not only that, he's got 
the wrong disciples. <laughs> he got some folks hanging around with him that are drug dealers and hippies. And, and he's got a bunch of some of y'all old heads in new life. You know what I'm talking about, because that's what some of you were. Amen. Amen. By the grace of God, he had the wrong disciples. But God said, go on, boy, go on. Do your thing, Jack. And, and, and not only did he have the wrong disciples, but he hung out with the wrong people. In, in the book, it talks about a story when he met with literally the pagans. Amen. The pagans are a motorcycle gang. He met with them at Jack Frost ice cream place in Montgomery County. Some of y'all know Jack Frost. I don't know if it's still there anymore, but but Jack Frost, that little ice cream place, he met with the biker gangs, literally the pagans. You're hanging out with the wrong people, Jack. You're hanging out with the wrong people and he had the wrong ways of doing things. <laughs> he just changed some methodologies around. He wasn't doing it the way everyone else did it. He didn't fit in with the status quo of the church at the time. Here's what I want you to know. Old wineskins are always limiting and if we heed the old wineskins and live within their constricted grasp, we will forfeit our right to be vessels of the Holy Spirit and to see revival in our day. Amen? Amen? Amen. We can't live in the restrictions of old wineskins. Old wineskins can't stretch. But God will cause us to stretch. We're going to look at that a little bit more. Listen, here, here's a pet peeve of mine. If you want to know a pet peeve of Pastor Larry, here it is. When people take a scripture and quote a scripture and give an application of it that has nothing to do with the scripture at all, but say the Bible says, I got a problem with that. Now, I'm saying I got a problem with that, but I'm sure I have done that more than a few times myself. Amen. But but here's one that, that gets me every time. And, and, and many of you have heard this is from First Corinthians 1440 in the in the ESV. It says that that we are to do everything to do everything um, uh, in, in a fitting and orderly way. That, that's actually, uh, the NIV. The ESV says decently and in order, right? Do everything decently and in order. And here's my problem. My problem ain't with the Bible. <laughs> my problem is that people use that scripture to say, you, 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 Pastor, you should just be right here in the pulpit. The Bible's not talking about that. The, they, they use that scripture to say you shouldn't be raising your hands and, and dancing and singing and shouting to the Lord. We do things in a proper way, in a fitting way, in an orderly way. We need to do it this way. Oh, wineskins, y'all. That's all wineskins. Um, we, we, we can't do it that way. Listen, what it, I don't want to hear somebody talk about decently and in order unless they are coming out of first Corinthians 14. The verse before that says this, therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. 
Now, if you're not talking about prophecy or speaking in tongues, I don't want to just hear that verse and say, don't shout, don't get happy, don't don't move out of the boundaries of our normal way. I don't want to hear that because this scripture is is the end of a long argument from Paul from first Corinthians 12 to the end of first Corinthians 14 about how to properly use spiritual gifts. How do we do that? We do that in a decent and orderly way. We do it as prescribed in 1 Corinthians 14. That's what that scripture is talking about. Not not getting out of bounds and happy in Jesus. Amen. When we focus on form, when we focus on the status quo, when we focus on a specific cultural uh, uh, way uh, of expressing the gospel or doing church as normative, we always almost miss out on the work of God. God doesn't have to do it the way he did it before. He changes, he breaks out. God is at work. Here's a second focus today. Second focus is this. Gospel wineskins are focused on Jesus. Gospel wineskins are focused on Jesus. The old wineskins are focused on a religious form, but gospel wineskins are focused on Jesus. Verse 34 says it this way. Jesus answered, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he's with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days, they will fast. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, I have showed up on the scene, the game-changing reality that the eternal Son of God has showed up on the scene. He is the bridegroom. The church is the bride. He is the king of the kingdom. He has showed up, and everything must change. Jesus has come. He is the bridegroom. He is the king. Listen, the most Radical change in his, in the history of the world came with the incarnation. Chris Leander said this a few weeks ago, quoting from the message, God moved into the hood. He said neighborhood. I'm just saying hood. God has moved into the hood with the coming of Jesus Christ. Whatever your hood is, if it's a North Philly hood, if it's a Northeast Philly hood, a South Philly hood, a Jenkintown hood, it doesn't matter where you are. God has moved into the hood. Gospel wineskins are focused on Jesus, not on a particular form or way of doing things. We're focused on Jesus. In the summer of 1970, it's over 50 years ago now, y'all, Jack Miller experienced a personal revival. Now I'm going to quote from the book. That quote's not up there yet, but it says, in, in, in his studies that summer, Jack saw that the Old Testament prophet, Isaiah, drew a contrast between two distinct ages, the former age, which Jack himself also referred to as the old age, and the new age, or the last days. Whereas the Lord had left only a very small remnant during the old age, he promised that in the new age his righteous servant would justify many by the knowledge of God. 
As he studied these promises, Jack reached several conclusions that radically differed from those that are commonly held by Reformed people. This is what Jack had to deal with. He says, many Reformed Christians tend to believe that they live in an era of increasing apostasy and expect only a small number of people to be saved. Under this assumption, an embattled Reformed church construes its primary role as one of defending the truth. Here's what Jack said. Jack rejected that assumption. He said, today, we have the banquet of abundant grace. Hallelujah. He said, we must open the eyes of faith to the wonder of God's saving purpose, reaching out to embrace the nations. Jack argued that many will be saved rather than few, that we live in an age of abundant life. In view of what happened at Pentecost, reformed people must, and this is a quote from Jack Miller, they must abandon the idea of a Calvinist remnant. God is after more than a Calvinist remnant. God is after people of every tribe, tongue, and nation, people all over this world, people all over this city, people all around you, wherever you are. God wants to save. God wants to heal, and God wants to deliver. And that reality got a hold of Jack Miller, and he said, I'm not just here to defend some narrow idea. I'm here to proclaim Jesus Christ. And we are here to proclaim him in word and deed. And we'll see in a minute by the power of the spirit. It's crazy to think that uh, almost 500 years after the Protestant Reformation, that Jack Miller's focus on justification by grace alone, through faith, in Jesus Christ alone was a major fight for him and the New Life Churches, even, even uh, among uh, people at Westminster Seminary at that time. It's crazy to think that. Justification by grace alone, through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ is how Christians receive Christ into their lives. Jesus, you add something else, you don't have it anymore. It's Jesus, 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 and believing in his finished work. Jack proclaimed that. He got in trouble for proclaiming that. Well, what will the people do <laughs> if, if they know it's not anything they do? Well, if the Holy Spirit got a hold of someone and saved someone, you don't have to worry about what the people will do. Amen. God will lead them even in a messy way, but God will lead his people. But listen, brothers and sisters, that is our introduction to Christianity. That is being saved. But what I want you to see here now is that the gospel is bigger than individual salvation experiences. Somebody say bigger. The gospel is bigger. The bigger good news of the gospel, the, the Greek word is evangelion, is that the kingdom of God has come. And that ultimately, and this is Revelation eleven fifteen, the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. 
The, the, the good news of the gospel is that the king has come, the kingdom has come, and that God is among us. He has made his residence here, and his kingdom has come, and it's going to come in total fullness one day. And in the meantime, we are his people to do his work in the earth. Amen. We are called as sons and as daughters of the king. That was a big emphasis of Jack Miller. We're no longer orphans, but we are children of the king. We're called as born again sons and daughters of the king to work to establish his kingdom of justice and righteousness in the earth to the glory of his magnificent name. This is the calling that we have as believers in Christ. Justification by grace through faith allows us to enter that kingdom and then to live out this gospel, good news, that the king and the kingdom has arrived. We are kingdom ambassadors. And so we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And not only do we pray that prayer, but we work that faith out. We work it out with vigor. We work it out with all the strength that God supplies to us so that we will see God's kingdom and God's glory established in all the earth, in every sector of society. God owns it all. We do that because as his chosen people, as his redeemed community, that we have Jesus and not just a methodology as the thing that guides us. Amen. Amen. So let me go to the final focus here today. The final focus, focus number three. Gospel wineskins are infused with the new wine of the spirit and adapt and expand. Somebody say adapt and expand. They adapt and expand to accommodate God's fresh work. Look at verse 37. Jesus says, and no one pours new wine into old wine skins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out. The wine skins will be ruined. Old wine skins have already been stretched by fermenting wine in the past. And there's no other place for them to go when new wine is poured in and begins to ferment. What happens is if it's old wine skins, they don't have any way to, to get larger, to expand. The elasticity is gone. And so they burst open and you lose the new wine. He says in verse 38, no, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. Gospel wineskins are infused with the new wine of the Spirit and adapt and expand to accommodate God's fresh work. Here's what I want you to see. Rigid structures, rigid structures can never contain the work that God is doing. That is the decently and in order myth. That, that, that we've got to look to some past generation, to some old way, to some other thing. No, we look to the word of God and we rely on the spirit of God. And we don't have to simply say, well, they did it this way and it worked back then. Well, a lot of things that worked back then aren't going to work right now. Jack Miller found that out in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. And New Life Church did as well. That we did things a little bit different from a lot of other folks. And God blessed it. He blew on it. He saved people. He 
did his work. And but that has to happen all over again in every new generation. We don't rely on old methods. Here's the problem. We get married to methods. Don't marry the method. Marry the message, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We marry the message and not the method. God's word never changes. But the understanding of God's word and his will has been growing. And and, and we expect our understanding of how to apply it in our day and in our situation to come by his spirit. So what was the power that was at work in Jack Miller and in this new movement, this new life movement? Well, I want to look at a quote from Jack to see what that was. And this is Jack writing. He says, that was the critical turning point in my life and ministry. Not just that I studied the promises. But I decided to become a Trinitarian. Now, now, now realize Jack was a professor at Westminster Seminary. He was ordained in the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. You can't get any more Presbyterian or, or, or any more Trinitarian than that. Amen. But he said, I decided to become Trinitarian. What's he talking about? I believed in the sovereignty of God, the greatness of the Father, the efficacy of the atonement, the riches of his grace, the Son of God. But it all short-circuited because I had left the Holy Spirit out. He says, the reformed insistence on the priority of the Spirit have drifted out of my life. It wasn't there. What is he saying? He he didn't become academically or in belief or thought a Trinitarian. He was always that. He believed in one God and three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. What he's saying is functionally in my prayer life, functionally in believing, functionally in being empowered to preach and declare God's word. Functionally, I was not a Trinitarian. Functionally, I moved the Holy Spirit and his power out and I said, I need to do this thing. But he says what he realized in that summer and in that time was that functionally he was a weak man who could do nothing on his own but needed to rely on the third person of the trinity the holy ghost to fill him to use him to glorify his name through him he needed new wineskins he needed gospel wineskins He was academically a Trinitarian, but functionally he believed in Father, Son, and yeah, there's a little something over here about the Holy Ghost. Brothers and sisters, we served, we serve a God, one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's not count the Holy Spirit short. We need the ongoing, empowering work of the Holy Spirit day by day. The the wine of 
these new wine skins. Very often in the scriptures, wine is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 says, don't be drunk with wine. That is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, wine and the Holy Spirit have a similar effect on you. Wine and the Holy Spirit change the way you talk. They change the way you walk. They change the way you act. And when you are relying on the Holy Spirit of God, you become different by the power of Almighty God. In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit falls on the infant church, those 120 gathered in that upper room, they are there, they're in prayer, and the Holy Spirit falls, cloven tongues like fire come on them, and they begin to speak in all these other languages. And there are people from the diaspora of the Jews from all over the known world gathered in Jerusalem at that time, and they all hear them in their own language. How could that happen? It was a Work of the Holy Spirit of God, but what do some people say? They say they must be drunk. Have you ever been drunk and started talking in Russian? My guess is no. It just don't work that way. But 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 they were drunk with the Holy Spirit. Paul uh, uh, Peter said, "Nah, it's just nine o'clock in the morning. The Eagles aren't even playing today. We're not drunk." We're not drunk, as you suppose. But then he begins to tell them the good gospel story. Gospel wineskins are infused with the new wine of the spirit and adapt and expand to accommodate God's fresh work. Listen, the Holy Spirit and the specific mission determined the structure and the methods to be used to reach people with the gospel. We need to be flexible. Somebody say flexible. Let me, let me begin to close this thing out. Old wineskins focus on forms. But gospel wineskins focus on Jesus. And these gospel infused new wineskins can adapt, can expand, can change because of the power of the Holy Spirit to accommodate what God wants to do now. So here's the main point. I want you to see the main point, the main idea of today. Jesus invites us, and you can personalize that. Jesus invites me. Jesus invites us to walk in gospel-centered, Holy Spirit-infused wineskins to reach this generation for his glory. Somebody ought to say amen to that. God is inviting you And he's inviting us collectively at New Life Church to continue this work that began 50 years ago now with a revival of a man who had reached a point of great struggle in his life. But he cried out to God and we need to cry out to him in a fresh way today. Let me just give three points of application as I finish up today. First point is this. New life is committed to gospel wineskins as the only way forward. We won't be bound by religious conventions that subvert the work of the Holy Spirit. Hear that. You need to understand this. In taking this approach, we're absolutely dedicated 
to what the Word of God says, but also to the legacy of Jack Miller and New Life's foundation as we reach out to new generations. This isn't new stuff, but it's our foundation. It's where we've come from. Number two, New Life is focused on reaching our community and next generations more effectively for Christ. Say amen to that. Listen, brothers and sisters, we are 100% committed to this. We will reach out. We will love. We will preach the gospel. We will care for our neighbors. We will do everything in our power to see that God's saving, healing, delivering work is at work in our time and in our day. And we believe to see God save, heal, and deliver many, many people for his name's sake. Listen, one implication of this statement is that we can't be focused on simply satisfying people for the sake of tradition if it will hinder God's work of reaching new people for Christ. We will be a people committed to prayer in a greater way than we've ever been committed before. I want you to hear that and I pray that many of you will join me and join us this week as we get it in in prayer. But that won't be the end of it. We need to be a church so saturated with prayer that it defines who we are as a community of God's people. Hear me when I say this, sisters and brothers. We'll be so prayerful that we don't have to be careful. (laughs) I hope you understand what I'm saying. Because if we get our instructions from God, we can just run with it. Amen. Third and final point of application. As a church living in gospel wineskins, we'll be open to grow and change in spirit-led ways that allows us to more effectively reach people for Jesus. New wineskins, by their very definition, expand. And and, and they change in order to accommodate the fermentation process of the wine. But brothers and sisters, with the gospel, this is not something to be afraid of. Christians, let's not be afraid of a fresh work of the Holy Spirit because it's the same Holy Spirit who inspired these words of your Bible and God is not confused and God is not having an argument within himself. So as we seek the mind of God and a fresh move of the Holy Spirit, we do it based on the word of God that he's given us in the first place and we have all confidence that God will do his work again in our generation. One one thing I just want to leave you with before I close, and I want you to look at verse 39. It's not on the screen. But verse 39 in Luke 5 says this. No one, after drinking the old wine, wants the new. For they say the old is better. No one, after drinking the old wine, wants the new. They say the old is better. What's going on there? Listen, when you've had enough of that old wine, (laughs) you don't care about the taste of the new. You're good. You're good. I got my Thunderbird. I'm good. I don't need any Chardonnay 1972. 
I've I've got my thunderbird. I got my wine. I'm good. And, And this happens, brothers and sisters. We ought to be thankful to God for the history and all that he's done already in the establishment, in the propagation of the New Life movement and of this church, New Life Church that stands in uh, in that history. But we cannot go to a place where we say we've got to do it this way in these old wineskins. God has new wineskins by the power of the Holy Spirit and we will move ahead and see God's name glorified in wonderful ways at this church. I hope you believe that. Do you believe that? If you're here, do you believe that? If you're at home, I want you to believe that. We'll get it in in prayer if you don't believe it. And and I know how that is. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Let's believe God for greater things than we've ever seen in the past. Let's believe God to see a new move of God that will blow our minds. And we can only say, look what God did. Amen. Look what God did. Let me pray. As we begin to prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper. Father God, we thank you today that you are at work in your church. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our God changes not. Your compassions, they fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. But God, I pray that you will do a mighty work among us as we move forward at New Life Church, that we will see a fresh filling of your spirit, that we, as your people, will dedicate our hearts and lives, not just a pastor, not just some elders or a few deacons, but as a collective people, we will give ourselves to you and see the wonder of our God at work. Lord, do your thing. Glorify your name. Have your way among us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.